Hello everyone and welcome to Why My Parents Worry About Me. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mana, and this is a podcast where we spin the globe, land on a random city, and share stories of true crime, folklore, and a touch of paranormal that truly makes our parents worry about us. Uh, hopefully you can tell the difference. We are celebrating our 10th episode and we just got all of our microphones. I know. I feel like we sound better, but also I can hear myself more clearly and mm -hmm. I know it sounds bad. I do have an update though. Ooh, please share. Okay, so you know how I was having my hair issue last week? Oh, we know. <laughs> I wanted to give a little bit of background story because mind pain is your pleasure. I realized why my hair went highlighter pink and not magenta, um, which is more of a raspberry color. And I went in and I was so upset that I obviously like went into Sally's as fast as I could and... I was looking at all the swatches and I was like, this is 100% the color that I used to be. It's called Vibrant Raspberry. Mm -hmm. And I looked down directly underneath Vibrant Raspberry is magenta, the color that I was currently. So literally all I did was forget that I had bought the wrong color and just never went to Sally's and just popped on my head thinking, oh, this is like my normal color. And I shed so many tears for literally no reason. <laughs> I say this with all the love in my heart, but mm -hmm. Taylor, you're a dumbass sometimes. <laughs> I appreciate the love, Mana. How has your week been? Um, kind of stressful. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at getting my life together right now, so you I just have like a lot of things to do. I know <laughs> it's uh, being an adult. Um. <laughs> Like, I tried cooking dinner today, and it didn't go well, and I, like, had to do research for this podcast, and that didn't go well. Mm -hmm. um, just, like, nothing's really going well right now. Yeah. Oh, I feel that. I think that's a, a, a normal adult thing. You know what I mean? It's just, like, some days be like that, some weeks be like that, some years be like that. Okay, but what about if it's my whole life be like that? I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a joke fast enough, Mana. I'm sorry. It wasn't supposed to be a joke. It's just supposed to be very sad. It was just supposed to be a dumpster fire. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> I mean, at least you got your hair figured out. So what else is happening in your life? Literally nothing. I, I have been oh, doing good, so good. much research on this audio stuff that I literally have no life. So do you want to get started? Um. Yes. My story is kind of long. I feel like it's really complicated. I always pick the really, really complicated ones or I pick ones that like aren't complicated at all. There's never an in-between. I honestly appreciate your complicated ones because I think they're always really interesting. And I don't think you should ever apologize for a long story because I always really enjoy your stories. Oh, that's so sweet. Too bad it's like a mess in my head as I try to like put it into order. All right, let me get started. So well, Okay, but where are we going first, dude? <laughs> oh, I was just ready to talk. Um, so we are going to Barcelona, Spain. We're back in Europe this week. Okay, so my story has to do with a more like one of the more popular cases in Spain, but it's based on the vampire of Barcelona. Ooh. So this vampire um, was better known as Enriqueta Martí, who was born outside of Barcelona in 1868. So growing up, she worked as like a maidservant and a nanny for various families. But um, as she got older, she turned to prostitution and worked at this like high class brothel. So she has had some affluent fellas coming to see her. Mm. 
Yes. Fancy um, lady. She made her bread. <laughs> we love a girl boss. <laughs> well, she really did become a girl, uh, like a girl boss. Because oh. she actually ended up opening her own brothel in 1909. Well, at least it's nine years after when I recognized time. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know, I understood what you were saying, but mm-hmm. in my head, I had to think about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. The world did not exist before the 1900s. 20- <laughs> Or the 20th century. <laughs> Honestly. So, yeah, she actually ended up creating her own brothel, and it was, like, super popular. So all the affluent people came there. But before that, when she was 27 years old, in 1895, she married Juan Paolo, who was his painter. So this is before she owned her own brothel, and she was married to him. However, they got in a lot of fights. There was multiple affairs. He got in trouble because she had a bad reputation. So they like separated six times and then it ended in divorce. So that did not really work out for her. And so Enrica Marty, once again, owned her own brothel and it was very popular. There was lots of prostitutes. It was big with the affluent folks of Barcelona. And one important thing to note was that Barcelona was like really the pornography capital in Europe at the time. So it was popping over there in terms of sex and prostitutes. I did not know that. Yes. Um, However... Marty took a different route, and because there were so many affluent people that came, she also accommodated their needs, which mm-hmm. include, like, children and people of different ethnicities. So whatever they asked, she really provided. Not going to lie, I already hate this story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit rough. I forgot to mention that. Um, <laughs> so to find children and abduct them, she dresses a pauper during the day and would wander the poor streets of, like, Barcelona and when she saw kids, like, wandering alone, because, you know, kids would wander alone back then, she'd just abduct them from the streets. And then she'd even, like, join bread queues and, like, would beg alongside mothers and, like, waited till they left their children and then would take them. She was known as a procurer of children during the time. However, child prostitution was not the only thing she did with the children. She also believed in, like, children's bodies as being a cure-all. Hmm. So what I mean this is that she thought that if you drank children's blood... It could cure tuberculosis and other big diseases. Oh my gosh. Just yes. wait till you hear my story. Oh no. Does that have to do with like kind of the same? Yeah. Amazing. I, I love, love it. That. <laughs> <laughs> we connected, didn't even know. So she was like a bit of a witch doctor. She offered like creams, elixirs, salves, ointments, filters, so poultice, and potions, um, which she, like I said, would cure tuberculosis other life-threatening diseases, would stop people's aging, and would prolong someone's life. And nobody questioned where this stuff was from? I mean, they wanted to live longer. It didn't matter if people they didn't know died along the way. I hate people. So um, in order to, like I said, in order to get like all these elixirs and stuff, um, she would kill children from only ages 5. So some sources said 5 to 15 years old, but a lot of other sources said 5 to 9 years old. So I'm going to go by 5 to 9 years old. Um, and she'd use the, their fat, blood, hair, and bones to make the different elixirs and stuff. Seriously, so gross. Yeah. But because she used so much of the body, she, disposing the victims was, like, super easy for her. So, like, she almost got caught for it, um, in, like, in the summer of 1909 because it was during Tragic Week that um, she was arrested and, like, accused of child prostitution. So, like, mm-hmm. they could have gone through her flat and, like, seen her stuff, but... She was never tried for it because she had contacts in the high society and was able to get away with it. 
Of course. It's yeah. always and, the way. Uh, yeah, because, you know, money. Money matters. Yeah. What is Tragic Week? Um, so it's like it was a series of violent confrontations between the Spanish army, anarchists, socialists, and republicans in Spain at the time because um, they were calling for reserve troops as reinforcements for Spain's um, military colonial activity in Morocco um, mm. during like at the time of July 9th. So there was like a bunch of strikes and like vandalism during the time. So there was like everyone was out to get everyone. I wonder if someone reported her. Did they say anything about how they found out about the information? No, they just said that she was accused of it. So probably somebody did say something and then, but like I said, she was never tried for it. So she got away with it. Over the next 20 years, more and more children were missing and a bunch of poor families would like tell the police about it. And, but the police investigations were minimal, obviously, because they're poor families. They don't matter. Of course. She got away with it for so long, probably made, a lot of money and then it wasn't until february 10th 1912 where she committed her last kidnapping so it was for this girl named teresita guitar congost um sorry if my accent's off <laughs> did, i took a year of spanish and uh it did not go well me too mine was online though the only thing that we had to do was turn in like a weekly session where we talked in spanish and literally my feedback every single time was your accent is so thick yeah so expect the same bad spanish accent with taylor as well yes please <laughs> so after um teresita went missing the city was on high alert for two weeks because um her father was like a well-known man around barcelona and apparently he was like well loved so everybody mm -hmm. was like "Ooh, we better find now we finally care um so the authorities had, like, a lot of pressure on them. Um, and so it wasn't until um, February 17th that a neighbor became suspicious of her. The neighbor's name was Claudia Elias. And um, she was looking around her street when she saw an open window and a girl with cropped hair was looking out of it. So Elias ended up asking Marty about it. And Marty was like, nothing, there's nothing. And then they closed the window. So she ended up telling a mattress maker down the street about it, who then told the municipal agent, Jose Assens, who then told the chief of the Ribot Brigade. Um, so they ended up going to her flat being, um, to get into her flat instead of because they didn't really warrants back then. So they entered it. And so a couple of agents entered and they found two girls inside. One of them was Teresita and the other one was Angelita. So... They were like, oh, this is interesting. Random two girls. So um, after they found those two girls, Teresita was returned to her parents. And she made a statement to the police saying that um, Marty took her by the hand while she was out and about one day, promising her candies and took her far away from her house. By that time, she was so far away, she didn't know where she was. And so Marty covered her with a black rag and forced her inside. Um, apparently, after bringing her inside, Marty cut her hair and told told her that her new name was Felicidad and she told um now Felicidad to call her stepmom so then Marty would apparently leave her and Angelita at home alone all the time so I guess like she was captive for a while mm -hmm. um and they were told not to explore they went into like this random room and they found a sack with girls clothing covered in blood and a boning knife next to it also covered in blood so they were terrified and like never left because they were like um something's gonna happen to me Exactly. Because even Angelita was like scared and probably talked to her because 
when they found um when they like took Angelita out of the house, apparently she called Marty mom. Apparently before Teresita there was a five year old boy called Pepito. And Enriqueta said that one night while she came like she woke up and she secretly saw Marty kill Pepito on the kitchen table. Oh. Like stabbed him. Mm-hmm. And so she like freaked out and went through like ran back to her bed and under the covers and pretended to be asleep again. That's so scary. Right? I mean, that's like literally horror stuff. It's like, how do you not let out a scream? Honestly, brave of her. Very. Yes. But they could not find her actual real parents, so I think she went into the system. And like Marty was like trying to like be like, No, these like these girls are here for a reason. Um, and said that like she said, Oh, I found Teresita like wandering and I was like just making sure she was safe and um Angelita was actually her daughter. So they contacted her husband, um, Juan, and, like, Juan was, like, I guess, like, this was during the trial, technically. He actually mm-hmm. went above, like went before the judge and was essentially, like, he has not lived with her for years. They had no known children. He did not know who Angelita was. So then he was, like, I literally don't know this child. She's lying. That's crazy. Right? And then Marty was, like, I actually took her for my sister-in-law when I told her that she was a stillborn. And then actually raise the child in, like, secret. Uh-huh. So where's the truth? I don't know. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> right? I, that's what I'm saying. This story goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, she ended up being detained and sent to Reina Amelia Prison. So she's in prison right now. Well, However, she's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it continues. <laughs> Great. Does it get worse? Probably. Yep, yep, yep. Because yep. we got to talk about the evidence. <laughs> All right, evidence time. In her flat that they had found the girls in, they found the sack mm-hmm. the kids were talking about. They found other sacks of dirty clothes and 30 human bones of various dimensions. Um, wow. Yeah, and it looks like the bones have been exposed to fire, like fire, so probably like bone powder, like she was trying to like. Um, and inside the flat, they found a locker room with, with 50 pitchers, jars, and wash bowls of human remains. These remains included children's hair, skeletons of hands, powdered bones, coagulated blood, and then, like, the ointments and salves and stuff that she was making. Where is she selling this stuff? I mean, out of the brothel. Out of the brothel. Okay, that, that was what I was making, sure. Okay, well, um, that's too much evidence against her. <laughs> there's a lot. There is a lot. <laughs> yeah, but then, oh, God, oh, I, there's so much to the story. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> so then um, she actually had two other flats where Marty lived. Um, so they went to go investigate those as well, and they found that um, both of them had false walls, and in the ceilings was hum- were human remains, so it was, like, all over the place. In the garden, they found a skull of a three-year-old, and, like, around the garden, they found a series of bones from a three-, six-, and eight-year-old, and some of the pieces still had clothes on them. So after they, like, went through Marty's stuff, the police actually found, like, evidence of 12 different children's, like, bodies, remains being there. Um, do, do they know how many kids she murdered? No, she did not tally any of them. So it could be some people theorize that she is like Spain's biggest serial, like mm-hmm. serial killer, but like no way of proving it. Actually. So before the trial, she tried to commit suicide while in prison. And mm-hmm. um, so she like slashed her wrists with a knife of wood 
Like the people were like super angry in the streets because they were like they wanted her to be executed. They didn't want to give her a chance to commit suicide. So she was like not left alone. Um, so even her cellmates had to like un like so apparently your cellmates were like people like with high standing in the prison system or whatever, and they would like watch her. Um, but she was never tried because she ended up dying a year and three months after her arrest. I guess her prison mates killed her. They lynched her at one of the prison patios. It, this, however, like really robbed the authorities of all her secrets. So they're never able to get everything out of her. What they did get out of her was that she did confess to like prostituting a 17 year old and other children. But they, she like refused to give any names of who asked for the children, like who would, um, she was servicing at the brothel. She said that she performed abortions. And that she was an expert in human anatomy and mm-hmm. that she was only a healer and nothing more. Um, she was unable to refute the bloody clothes or knife. She could not tell the authorities where Pepito came from. And um, to add on to all the evidence already, this woman recognized her as a woman who kidnapped her infant son six years prior. Apparently, mm-hmm. after a long journey from their land, um, Marty offered to hold her child for her because she was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then ran away with her child. Oh, my God. Um, but the authorities actually ended up telling the pu- public that she died of a long illness instead of that actual butal- like brutal beating she was given. Um, but they actually ended up secretly burying her body in a common grave of Cementerio del Sudeste. So, um, But yeah, so that's the story of Marty. However, I wanted to talk about the counter theories because not everyone believes that Marty was the serial killer that she was. Interesting. So a Barcelona writer, Jordi Coromines, um, wrote a book called Barcelona 1912 mm-hmm. and believes Marty was a woman who was devastated by the death of her child who died of malnutrition. So she ended up kidnapping Teresa to, um, for company for Angelita because she was so saddened by the death of her child. That, And then um, he also stated that she did not have a criminal mind and in fact had just mental illness. And she was simply used as a cover-up for the sexual scandals for minors. They actually, I did forget to add this, which was important. So sorry, but she actually had a list of all her clients. Even though she said she wouldn't? Like, so in one of her properties, um, they actually, like, found some really, like, weird things. And so they found, like, this book of remedies. They found an ancient book with parchment covers. They found a package of letters and notes written in coded language. And then mm-hmm. a list of names of important figures. But it wasn't, like, who the clients were. They just assumed those were her clients. And then because they're wealthy, they assumed that the clients will get away. So they never, like, charged them. But, like, the rumors leaked from the police, like, investigation. So people kind of knew the big names that were involved. Like, politicians mm-hmm. and celebrities and stuff like that. He was not the only one. Um, Jordi Coromines was not the only one who thought she was... Um, wrongly accused, so did writer Elsa Plaza. Um, because she was like, since she was never formally charged, not everyone can like say that she did this. Mm-hmm. Because, um, so like she like said a lot of things, but one like couple of things she said was that, um, she was like with the beggars and the breadline because women helped each other during the time. So she was just helping those women. Um, the blood in the her flat was because she had uterine cancer, so she bled heavily. Apparently, some of the bones were determined to be from animals, so that caused some outrage. Because then it was like, wait, then was it all animals or was it some kids? What? Right. And um, Plaza also was convinced that the trial was only staged to cover the exploitation of children during the time. 
So essentially, like, she, they were saying that because the police knew about um, the sexual scandals involving minors, mm-hmm. but because it was wealthy people, they couldn't, like, charge them. She was a good scapegoat for all of this. The vampire of Barcelona is one of the reasons why my parents worry about me. So do you um, think any of the conspiracy theories are true? No, I don't think they're true. However, I am really, like, I don't believe investigations all the time because like Mm -hmm. she would be a perfect scapegoat i love how you keep saying scapegoat scapegoat whatever episode 10 scapegoat (laughs) the scapegoat (laughs) we just found the name watching history be made right now (laughs) y'all i think it's hard for people to look back on these crimes and be like oh well like this is what happened and this what could have happened yeah and um not have been there I mean, all these kids are going missing. Where are they going? And why are all the kids' um, uh, bones and bodies found in this person's home? Exactly. Like, the, there has to be, like, what happened to those kids? They didn't right. just disappear. So I don't believe it fully, but I understand, like, some of the implications. And she at least kidnapped two kids. And then one of the kids said that she literally saw her murder someone. Oh, uh, okay. So did you want um, me to get started? Yeah, I would love to hear your story because mine was so long. <laughs> <laughs> so today I wanted to share some folklore with you from Spain. I haven't really gotten to talk about folklore and mystical creatures for quite some time, so I wanted to cover some that I found interesting this week. Interesting enough, Barcelona has a really interesting origin story, or um, Wikipedia called it a founding myth, which I think is really cool. In this story, we are actually going to be shining a spotlight on a character that many of us already know and love, and that's Hercules, or Hercules in Spanish. If you don't know who Hercules is, he is a Roman hero and god of strength, and he's also a Disney character that they <laughs> made a movie about. Yeah. <laughs> and the soundtrack is Straight Fire for those who uh, go running or walking like me. I gotta say, like, Honestly, I agree with that statement. I hate yes. musicals, but that is... So I even hate, like, Disney movies sometimes because of that, because they sing. Um, oh. But I do will listen to it on the in the car sometimes, because I'm like, oh, I'm into the muses. <laughs> Disney musicals hit me different than regular musicals. Yeah, it's a different mo- mood. Don't get me wrong. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I'm not going to suggest jogging to the Hercules soundtrack because joggers always find the bodies so I will never suggest that our listeners go jogging <laughs> we're trying to save lives out here <laughs> we are um so to understand the alleged origin story of Barcelona which I found from multiple sources so uh traveling spain.com shbarcelona.com Barcelona's history page on wikipedia they all have the story on their website which I think is really cool it's just like a known story Mm-hmm. so to fully understand you kind of have to understand the history or life of hercules and during this story he is asked to carry out 12 labors as a pre- penchant for killing his family which i didn't realize that he had done this i co- completely forgot greek mythology i know so he was driven mad by hera who was the queen of the gods and once and once he regained his sanity he was remorseful and, tr- and traveled to Delphi to gain some redemption. There he spoke to Pythia, the oracle of Delphi, and he was advised to go and serve his cousin king, Eurysses, 
uh, for 10 years and perform whatever tasks that he wished. If he could complete this quest, he would be rewarded immorality. He scuffed at having to serve the king, but he was also really fearful of Zeus. And so he headed to speak to the king. So during his fourth labor, he and his friends were traveling across the Mediterranean in nine different ships. One of the ships got lost without a trace off of the Catalan coast, and Hercules has a side quest to go and locate it. He eventually finds the wreck with the crew safe and on a small hill. The crew loved the city's beauty so much that they ended up finding the city and they called it Barca Nona, or Ninth Ship. Barca meaning boat and Nona meaning ninth. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's a really cool origin story. Uh, and I also think that it's cool that it showcased one of the many Roman gods. Um, and also I'm like a Disney gal. I really love Disney. So. Uh, I mean, I love when cultures can connect like through nation lines, you know. Another legend that I wanted to talk to you today is the legend of El Coco. So originally in the 17th century, El Coco is like the Spanish version of the boogeyman. Okay. He seems to be very popular in Spanish folklore. I've even watched some movies and television series that have mentioned him. Um, and I don't want to ruin anybody's movie or television watching experience, especially because we're all stuck at home still kind of a little bit. El Coco does star in some of the series that I haven't mentioned on our show before that I have watched. So since El Coco targets children, misbehaving uh, children are often warned by parents of his presence. So if your child is misbehaving, they would uh, warn them that Coco is always watching and waiting for them to act badly. And when a child was acting badly, he would swing from the rooftops. During the dark of the night, he prowls the streets looking for children carrying a large black bag. In some versions of the folklore, he's depicted more as a ghostly spirit, and in some others, he's more of a physical entity that represents death or the devil. Some of them had, like, cloaks. Other had, um, it was more of, like, a goblin with red eyes. Every, like, part has a different take on it, and I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, El Coco. He just looks scary, basically. I can't believe we both subconsciously knew that we were doing um, stories on kidnapped children and then just put them together without, like, actually discussing it. She could have been someone that would inspire a story like this. So, like I was saying, if your child was acting badly and Coco saw you acting badly, he could do a couple different things to you. The first is that he would immediately devour you whole. Oh, nice. Right? Painless. Um, or he could spirit you away to a place that you would never see your parents or family ever again. Uh, both options left no trace of you. So it was a really good way for parents to be like, you need to go to bed or El Coco is going to get you, my dude. That makes sense. I mean, that's how I would talk to my child, right? Would you go to bed though? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't open my eyes. Um, I find it very interesting that there are so many cultures that have their own version of the boogeyman, all infused with their cultural norms, traditions, and imagination. While I was doing some research for the podcast, I found out that some attributes of this story was inspired by a real man. Mm -hmm. 
So his name was Francisco Ortega. So this story took place in Gador, Spain. He had recently been diagnosed with tuberculosis. Oh, if only he drank the blood of children. Girl, just wait <gasps> until I say. It gets even better. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But for those that don't know what tuberculosis is, since we've now mentioned it twice, it's an infectious disease found in the lungs. And apparently it was believed at the time that if you drink the blood of a human child and use their fat as a poultice, that it would cure the recent diagnosis. Oh, my God. So she had like actual thought to her process like Marty did, uh-huh. my girl. Yes. My, my home girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was believed at that time. Uh, I don't know why it was believed at that time, but my guess is it probably has something to do with like purity or something. I don't know. Also, like, they were probably seen as second-class citizens, kind of like pawns or animals. That, that Anywho. actually is a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just my, this is just my assumption. But upon hearing his diagnosis, he traveled to a traditional healer called a curadara. Okay. And her name was Agustina Rodriguez, who enlisted the help of a barber and another healer named Francisco Leona. Okay. So Leona was a criminal as well, and they all agreed to help Ortega find a child in exchange for 3,000 resales. So at the time, resales were the currency that was used in Spain. Mm -hmm. So that was like around the 14th century. And so on June 27th, 1910, Leona kidnapped a seven-year-old named Bernardo Gonzalez Pera by drugging him with chloroform and dragging him into a sack. Some said that it was a black sack. Isn't this like it's it's the same time period? It's like it's crazy. Period. But like now that you're telling this story, I think when I was doing my research on Marty, I remember you said chloroform, and it like literally like unlocked something in my brain where I remember kind of reading about this i like barely skimmed over it but like yeah so they're kind of connected even in like sources that are talking about these situations yes yeah it's that's kind of crazy i didn't want to go too much into detail about this case but it is a pretty interesting case if you're looking to go into a rabbit hole um but i do warn you that it's pretty grim and gory Luckily, all those involved with this terrible crime were found guilty. In case you wanted to explore this case, I'm not going to tell you how they ended up, um, but it is pretty interesting how they ended up. I can't wait to research it when we're done recording. (laughs) The Boogeyman is why my parents worry about me. Did you ever believe in the Boogeyman when you were a kid? Um, No, I was fearful of nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and it drove my parents crazy because I didn't even fear them. <laughs> <laughs> and look where we are now. <laughs> exactly. Did you? Um, I was a very well-behaved child. I didn't really ever stray or do anything wrong. It's because you're the older child. That's why. Well, it's interesting because I'm the oldest child growing up, but I'm still the middle child. That's. I mean, honestly, both me and you too. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're the middles. But we're the oldest in like our household because our siblings, our older siblings are so much older. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's a 10 year difference for me. There's a, what is it? Like 30, (laughs) 
like a 25 year difference just casual yeah (laughs) yeah so the only thing that i could think of like that connected my childhood to the boogeyman was that one boogeyman movie on disney channel do you remember that don't look under the bed oh my god i do Mm-hmm. I do know what you're talking about. Don't look under the bed. Oh. Yep. I remember. I, I saw the main character and I was like, oh, him. Yes. Yeah. So basically, it's a story where um, there's a, a boy that has a, I think, I think it's a boy. There's a, a kid that has an invisible friend that turns into the boogeyman. And if they stop believing in them too early, then it like haunts them or something. I don't know. I don't really remember the movie that w- that well i do remember one specific scene just see his like long fingers and i'm like oh and i like could not watch past that point is that what my acrylics look like (laughs) be honest um (laughs) yeah every time i see your acrylics i get triggered triggered (laughs) but it it reminded me of like my childhood and being told about the boogeyman and it made me think about like the difference between their boogeyman and our big boogeyman yeah i mean their boogeyman is so much more real though (laughs) um but yeah i guess that's a good point like we didn't really have a figure that we like were feared we were Mm -hmm. scared of yeah yeah i think the the big thing that connects everything is the boogeyman always targets children and it's always used by parents as a way to like tell them not to misbehave um so do you have a good why my parents are proud of me moment um what if my parents aren't proud of me this week i didn't do anything you know i think they are i'm proud of you um you set up all of your audio gear almost by yourself no i did it we were on zoom together don't lie (laughs) i know but i'm just saying i didn't have to come over and like fix it and you set it all up by yourself today you're right okay my parents are proud of me because I used their money to buy this audio equipment and set it up myself, though. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm on loan. I'm on loan I right know. now until I get yeah. my job. <laughs> I swear every week you're like, I owe people money. <laughs> <laughs> I get more and more in debt every week that I'm on this podcast. Right. <laughs> um, I have a an interesting one. What is your pod parent moment? So I kind of like rekindled my love with the story of Hercules because we learned about uh, all of the Roman gods in sixth grade. Yes, I Um, love I love Greek and Roman mythology. So much fun. Honestly. And I think I'm going to like as an adult read the stories. You should. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And so I'm I'm not sure if we've talked about the Enneagram before. Um, I think I gave you a link for it. Yes, I just still take it so that you can learn what kind of person I am so you know how to deal with me as a co-host. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I, I'm a big person that enjoys the Enneagram, and I'm a number five, which means that I'm very, like, driven by, like, knowledge and, like, research and all of the things. That's probably why I went down the re- Reddit hole for audio for, like, three hours today. Yeah. It makes sense. But I'm, like, really excited to learn more about, like, Hercules and all the other Roman gods because, I don't know, I mean, like, you learn about it as a kid, but now that I'm an adult, I'll probably understand, like, 
what's actually happening and i think that's fun yeah you can so like, i'm excited to put that stories. on my right exactly so i'm excited to put that on my to-do list um and yeah i mean yeah no i mean sounds exciting and honestly like i know i promise you i'll take that test because like me and taylor have talked about this before but we're very like uh, i mean we get along great but we are very mm-hmm. different people like yes <laughs> so taylor is always like trying to keep me in order and i'm trying mm-hmm. to like loosen her at the same time like <laughs> yeah like it's cool i would say you're definitely more spontaneous and i'm definitely more structured yeah but you need to be like the perfect mix to be a normal human being so. honestly well they say the opposites attract yeah and that's why we were married yes exactly exactly <laughs> your husband too <laughs> I am so tired of the same walls. <laughs> I'm so tired of just constantly being inside. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. I, I mean, mean, we're allowed I, to go outside, Mana. I know. I mean, I've been running every morning, which is dangerous. Don't do it, y'all. Um, Dude, jogging is the only thing you can't do. So as long as you're running, it's fine. That's fair. I mean, it's more like a brisk walk. <laughs> um, I, uh, so, yeah. I'm going to start. That coffee shop that you went to last week, the one that's like right by my, oh my house. God. We should have a date there sometime, by the way. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we can sit outside. We can sit inside. They've got everything socially yeah. distanced. I mean, my friend got a sandwich when we went there and mm-hmm. it looked delicious and they loved it. So I am I might want to get that thing. I didn't realize that they had food there. Yeah. And I... like, they have like vegan stuff. Oh, no way. Oh, I love that. I love, I love that restaurants now are kind of infusing vegetarian and vegan and plant-based diets into their menu instead of like me eating a side of fries or a side of rice what do you mean i love when i go to a restaurant and um my friends are like oh yeah i'm like eating this huge jersey burger and like this side salad and blah 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 and i'm like i'll have the fries (laughs) i'll have the fries thank you and the salad yeah side salad only <laughs> it's usually just like a weird garden salad then i always be like i forgot to say no be- bacon and then i'm screwed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a process it is a process yeah that's true i don't want to eat a salad every day i think people think vegetarians just eat salads every day i haven't had a salad in like four weeks no yeah i don't eat i mean I, okay listen i can't lie um because i've been going to this food truck um mm-hmm. like at least once a week where it has a salad that's really good you should try it. It's in the city. Um, and it's so fire. <laughs> I'm just going to say. But it has like a butt. So like they have like a regular one with like chicken and bacon and stuff. But I get this vegan one that has like jackfruit and like um, cranberries. And it's like a garbage salad. It's so good. Love. Love that. Um, so I can't lie when I say I have had a salad this week. But <laughs> usually That's good. big fan of like not eating salads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't eat many salads, and I think it's because most restaurants don't have, like, they'll have a salad, or they'll have, like, six different salads, but all of them have meat in it, and I feel like I'm paying for the meat, and it's like, why am I paying $12 when a salad should be, like, $7? No, for real. Because I'm not getting the chicken? Exactly. Like, they never take money off, and I'm like, Mm-mm. why am I phone paying? F-? Like, I pay full price for a McMuffin when I get, like... No meat and no cheese. I'm mad about McDonald's. They took the bagels off because of the um, whatever, COVID. What? What does bagels have to do with Corona? What, is, what, are, what do they have to do with Corona, though? I don't know. <laughs> Tweet them. 
I'm going to be tweeting McDonald's and they'll hear from me and they'll really regret it. Us and our 10 followers are going to really <laughs> nail it to them. <laughs> they'll never see what's coming. <laughs> I am waiting for the day that there's like a restaurant that does me wrong and I like can be like, I have 50,000 followers on my Instagram page and they will listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a platform. I have a platform. <laughs> do All I right. use the platform? No. <laughs> no. Are we bad at it? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so do you want to um, wrap up? Um. Okay. So once again, thanks for listening to this week's episode. We are on all major streaming platforms, so you should listen and find us there. If you're feeling extra great, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. That really does help us. And if you're super duper cool, feel free to leave a comment. We love getting feedback um, and we love interacting with you guys. So we really do appreciate everyone, really. Um, Yeah, there's not one person I don't appreciate right now. Right. And don't forget to tell your friends. Always tell your friends. Absolutely. Always tell your friends. Um, all right. I think that's it. Bye. Bye.